بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد history we read the first action out of this book the four actions of hazrat allah rahmatullahi has prepared all these things are very straightforward these are things that we have heard many times before the detail that is written in here also is something that we have heard but there is a lot of barakat in the writings of the ahlullah a lot of barakat in what they say the same thing that we will say and what they have said there's a world of difference but the important thing is to read it with azmat listen to it with azmat with that open heart with the niyat of amal with being muhtaj that we are in need if a person is in need of something then he takes it and if he feels independent of it this doesn't really not something i really require i've heard this many times this is something which is already i have acquired it so there's no need for me to listen to it or read it or really worry about it then that barakat and that noor that comes from these writings this is something which is not going to be achieved the aspect of the noor that comes from the barakat and noor that comes from the writings of the ahlullah the opposite also applies from those who are far away from deen in their writings there is the zulmat a person that is far away from deen a person that is away from deen who is deviated person who is without iman their writings have a zulmat in it as well a darkness in it one great alim who is still alive is quite ill is quite elderly hazrat allama khalid mahmud sahab rahmatullah alayhi down barakatuh he is in he was in uk originally from pakistan he had come to south africa many times previously last time he came was probably about 10 12 years ago little more maybe so he was somebody that had specialized in all these firaq e batila the deviant deviant sects qadianiyat and shi'iyat and all the deviant groupings he had specialized in this he was a person that had really gone into the depths and he used to debate with these people etc whatever it is so once while in south africa he was sitting with the ulama and he mentioned that to the name of maududi was somebody who initially had written very good books etc on deen deeni topics but there was this inner facade inner corruption which surfaced later and some of the great mashayikh of the time they had picked it up right at the outset among them was hazrat sheikh muaz zakaria sahab rahmatullah alaihi hazrat muaz husain ahmad maddi rahmatullah alaihi when many other ulama had sort of aligned themselves with mududi they had already pointed out this person is a problem and then his real whatever his agenda was started becoming apparent made the sahaba the target of criticism even the anbiya ali musallatu wasalam the target of criticism and various deviant things so in any case what the point we were making is allah sahab now this person that's the other lesson is that he was a very prolific writer and he had a style of writing where he would just take the reader along 
person reading his book would just get caught up in that writing style and that manner and he would just get carried away with what he's reading. Now this is the dangerous thing. Now, such a deviant person who had such deviated ideas, criticizing even the Anbiya Alayhi criticizing the Sahaba Ikram. But initially he didn't get into all these topics. But the manner in which he was writing, the style that he had of writing, this was so captivating many senior ulama of the time also aligned themselves to him. But it was only later on that they realized this person's deviance. But the general people couldn't fathom that. Because they were already captivated, they were already carried away, now they couldn't see anything else. So a good number of people, after his deviation became apparent also, they jumped still to his defense, without knowledge, without knowing what the reality is. But already the heart has been taken in one direction. Only somebody who is very deeply sincere. Somebody who is very deeply sincere, he's got a very deep level of ikhlas. Among the very senior ulama of the time who had initially aligned themselves with Maududi, this is a different topic that has just started off, but in any case, whatever Allah Ta'ala wills, where Hazrat Mawla Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahmatullah Ali, Hazrat Mawla Munzur Nomani Sahib Rahmatullah Ali, these were the giants of the time, very senior people. And they also initially became very impressed with him. They became his supporters. They began writing in his favor. But at that time he still hadn't exposed what his reality is. But already at that time, Hazrat Shaykh al-Hadith, he was repeatedly writing letters to them. Now there's two aspects here. One is, these people, mashallah, were very sincere. They weren't aligning themselves with him just because they wanted to jump on the bandwagon of some popularity. That this person has become very popular, will also gain some popularity. They were sincere. What they were doing was purely for deen. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was based on any worldly motive. But again in this is a lesson also. Sincerity alone is not sufficient. A person is sincere but ignorant. So being sincerely ignorant is not going to take him anywhere. The sincerity in its place. But now in sincerity a person is very sincere. And he is doing it solely to try and get the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. And he decides now that Salah, what a great thing. So I am going to now make a lot of nafil when after Asar. So he performed his Asar Salah. Now he is making nafil. So that nafil that he is making after Asr, that is against what Nabi Islam has taught. Nabi Islam has forbidden any nafil after Fajr and after Asr. So now what is his sincerity going to achieve? He is doing something which is makru. A person feels even more sincere. And he feels now this Fajr namaz, two rakats is too little. He is going to read four rakats. He is so sincere about it, but he is reading four rakats. Even the two rakats will be gone too. He will get nothing. So, sincerity is the basis of everything, but that is not the end of it. With the sincerity, the correct knowledge is necessary. And a person is then obliged to do what is the right thing. Sincerely doing the wrong thing will still bring him the problem. So, in any case, these people, because they were one person who is a person who is deeply sincere, 
and he is either somebody very deeply grounded in knowledge or he is ready to take the direction from somebody deeply grounded in knowledge. One of these two things. Then inshallah he will get saved. Either he himself has very sound and thorough knowledge. It's not just something scratching the surface. He read one, two things here and there. Heard one, two things here and there. And now he's become the expert of the time. Then he's heading to disaster. Either he himself is very deeply grounded in knowledge. Or he is strongly linked to somebody who is grounded in sound knowledge. Then together with that ikhlas, if a person has knowledge, but that ikhlas is missing, he has knowledge, but the motives are not for Allah Ta'ala alone, there's some ulterior motive in between, then too despite that knowledge, he'll finish off in deviation. Because now he'll misuse that knowledge for dunya. He'll misuse that knowledge for material things. So the ikhlas, and the knowledge. And the, when there's true knowledge with ikhlas, then this brings khashiyat of Allah Ta'ala. Our person is concerned, what am I doing? <coughs> Must be only for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So then, even if a person now falls into some error somewhere, he'll come out of it with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala. But if these ingredients are missing somewhere, then a person is gone. So we're discussing about this Maududi and his writings, so he had this captivating style and some of these senior ulama, but they were sincere. Number one, they themselves had sound knowledge. They were strongly aligned to people of this caliber, Hazrat Shaykh Rahmatullah Hazrat Madni Rahmatullah And as a result, with these people's dua and their tawajju and their direction and guidance and their advice, eventually they very openly denounced Maududi and came out of his group and spelt it out that what we did was, a, was an error, was an oversight. But now this person who had this style of writing, this manner of captivating people, etc. Allah Khalid Mahmoud Sahib we were talking about, is to say that you bring one paragraph. Now sometimes one paragraph alone is not going to make it apparent who, who the writer is. Some person's writing style might be very, very easy to make out, but from one paragraph, from a few lines, you won't make it out. You read one, two pages, you'll be able to pick it up, okay, this is so-and-so's writing, if you've read a lot of his writings. You see, you take one paragraph, one paragraph where the subject matter is 100% correct. The subject matter is 100% correct, there's nothing wrong in that particular paragraph. And you don't tell me who's written this. And you bring it and you give it to me to read. He says, I will read it and I will immediately tell you if it's Maududi's writing, I will immediately tell you this is Maududi. And he says that the reason is that after all these years of effort, Allah Ta'ala has opened it, that as soon as I read anything from him, which is his writing, he used to study these things in depth in order to make it clear to people what's wrong in it. This is not everybody's task. To read the writings of those who have deviated, this is only for those people who have that expert knowledge who can discern what is right and wrong. Otherwise, the person, everything will seem right to him. So he says, I, as soon as I read something that he has written, I immediately sense a 
particular kind of zulmat, a darkness. Now that paragraph that is there is 100% correct. There's nothing wrong about it. But it's been written by a person who is deviated. So the zulmat and the darkness of the heart of the writer has transferred into his writing. And now those who have the perception, they perceive it. Allah opens his perception to people who are of that caliber. There was there's a famous incident of Sheikh Abdul Aziz Dabbagh who was an ummi. He was a person who was illiterate. So he had never learned to read, write. But he had become a very great personality, very great Allah So if a person is reading Quran Sharif, so he would immediately say that this is Quran Sharif. Now that's something that's easy. Nobody finds that amazing because a person can make out Quran Sharif. But a person is, somebody will read a Hadith a Qudsi. It's a special category of a Hadith. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam quotes from Allah Ta'ala. But in the words of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So that's called Hadith a Qudsi. He is an Ummi, he hasn't studied. But when somebody recites a Hadith a Qudsi in front of him, he will immediately say this is a Hadith a Qudsi. One portion of it, person didn't make it obvious what he's reading from a Hadith a Qudsi or not. And he reads some other hadith, then he will be able to say that this is not a hadith a Qudsi, this is a hadith directly from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And if it is some Arabic writing, some poetry or whatever, sometimes just one, two lines, you can't immediately make out. He will say this is neither Quran, is neither hadith a Qudsi, is neither hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this is something else. Now he's a Ummi, let alone Ummi, even a person who has studied too, he can't just make these differences out so easily. So people asked him, how come you... So eventually he explained, when a person decides Quran Sharif, there's a special nur that emanates from that recitation. Allah Ta'ala makes it possible for me to see that nur. And from that I make out that this is Quran Sharif. The hadith of Qudsi has got its own unique nur. And the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has got its own unique nur. And something that is neither of the three doesn't have this nur. It is a pious person, somebody is writing the words... He'll have his nur, but not of this caliber, not of this nature. So, each thing has a nur, what is coming from the correct sources. And likewise, what is from the wrong sources has its zulmat and darkness. Allah Khalisa wa used to say, used to say that I immediately perceive that zulmat. And I can tell you this is Maududi's writing. So, this is the danger of just picking up any book. Just picking up anybody's writings. Because that zulmat then affects the heart. And even if what is written is right, but the zulmat affects the heart. Many a times, person says that, I just suddenly now don't have the drive to make my tasbihat and zikr, everything was carrying on well, and now suddenly everything has dropped. And it's just a lethargy, can't seem to... Many a times, after the discussion, it emerges, the person has started reading anything and everything. Sometimes people get caught up in novels. Sometimes whatever else they're reading on the social media or other, all kinds of things just keep floating around. So these things have an effect. And sometimes it has an effect in this manner. That now the drive to make tilawat, the drive to be engaged in a person's tasbihat, ma'amulat, righteousness, suddenly all that has just fizzled out. 
and outwardly it's not possible to make the link that where did this start from what, what became the reason for this but very often this is the reason so this is something to be very conscious about very careful about in fact even newspapers for that matter person he has to for whatever reason keep up with some particular part of the news but the newspaper is not news the newspaper has maybe a small fraction of news a very big fraction a very big portion of propaganda and the rest of it is all fosh all immorality and vice now by the time that person has read that newspaper maybe one percent very small fraction and very small number of people would be so discerning that they'll be able to number one make out the difference between what's the propaganda and what's the news many a times there's a front page headline article then after some days there'll be a small retraction somewhere in the middle of the newspaper that what was initially splashed on the front page there was a misreporting whatever from time to time this happens but now that was all done deliberately they knew what was wrong it wasn't something that they really made a mistake this is all fed but now the person the mon got caught up in the propaganda so he very few people can discern that difference but then apart from that how many people will stop at whatever is only so to say okay to read and not get caught up in anything else many a person got caught up though he started off without any intention he didn't have any intention of getting caught up in something wrong he just picked up a newspaper by the time he finished off that newspaper he said i don't know where i finished off born in some fell in some other place so these are dangerous things these have become very dangerous things these are things that we need to be very careful about otherwise whatever a person has managed to acquire in this mubarak month of ramadan or at other times person when he goes out in jamaat spent a good amount of time in jamaat 40 days 4 months somebody was in the khanqa somebody was in a madrasa so a lot is achieved in that time that whole week that whole month that whole term but now comes the time when a person hand now falls on some newspaper or some novel or some other literature or some media and bus in sometimes in minutes also a lot of whatever he has achieved gets washed out so there is some mujahada there is some mujahada to abstain from these things but this mujahada this is also part of that wal ladina jahadu fina lanahdiyannahum subulana that those who strive in our path this is also part of that striving and the road roadways numerous roadways of hidayat allah that opens up and that is the thing to bring in mind at that time that this urge to now pick up this newspaper this urge to read this or whatever it is i am suppressing it this is not going in vain this is not going in vain this is something that is bringing that tremendous noor in the heart this is bringing that progress towards allah taala if a person when the temptations of shaitan come and he remains just empty minded he is not actively engaging his mind at that time then he'll get washed away if he is just neutral neutral car can get pushed in any direction can get pushed left right center anyway he has to be engaged 
And if it's an automatic car, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala make us like that, has to be in drive. So what is this meaning being engaged in drive? That the mind is at that time, the heart is at that time actively engaged in this muraqaba, this meditation of either death or the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is watching. The aspect that this is something which is a mujahada indeed, but what is going to come in return? And if I give in now, what is going to be the end result? This will be a few minutes of some excitement, some enjoyment apparently. But is it worth it to have sweet poison that only just excites the tongue? But as soon as it hits the throat, it's going to start burning. And by the time it reaches the stomach, it's going to now completely corrupt everything. So for that little excitement of the tongue, for that brief moment before it hits the throat, is it worth the while? Now when a person engages his mind in that manner and turns to Allah Ta'ala, and at that time what is very effective is zikr qalbi zikr deep down from the heart. Even if there's no lip movement, there's no tongue movement at that time, but like a person who is, for example, drowning, he's fallen off the boat, whatever the case is, somehow he's now was swimming and now suddenly he's drowning. Now he's shouting for help. A drowning person shouting for help, how he shouts for help? He's trying to, like, quietly, softly, somebody, anybody there to help me, please? That person from the depth of his heart, that every fiber of his heart is involved in that desperate cry. He's not casually just seeing if anybody is interested to come and just assist me here. There's a deep desperation in his cry. So in a similar manner, now shaitan is trying to drown us in some haram. Shaitan is trying to drown us in the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. So when that type of situation comes up, this desperate cry from the depth of the heart, Allah, repeatedly. Now that is a wave that is coming from shaitan. But when a person will turn to Allah Ta'ala in this way, nobody knows what he's doing. It's between him and Allah Ta'ala. Nobody can fathom what's going on in his heart. And this is yesterday what we read in one of the writings of Hazrat Wala that ikhlas is really the nigrani, the vigilance over the heart. Or every small little thing that's passing, which is, shaitan will keep whispering things. The nafs will keep inciting. This is shaitan's full-time job. The worst thought also doesn't make anybody bad. The worst involuntary thought doesn't make a person bad at all. But entertaining that thought then, that first moment of that thought was a whisper of shaitan. It can be the worst thought. The Sahaba came to Nabi Wasallam and they said sometimes we get such thoughts. These were thoughts whispers from shaitan in terms of iman and things. Various wasawis. You see, we get such thoughts, we can't bring it on our tongue. It is better that we get burned down to coal rather than express what sometimes passes through the heart and mind. Nabi Sassam said, do you experience this? They said, yes. said, Zaka, uh, this is Iman in reality. This is Iman. Why this is Iman? 
Because the thief only comes to that house where there is some wealth. So this is a sign that you have iman in your heart. That is why shaitan is putting wasawis of kufr. That is why shaitan is putting all these various kinds of thoughts that if a person really believes those things, his iman will go away. But you are repelling it. So this doesn't affect you in any way. So the worst thought can come in the heart of the greatest wali of the time also. He'll still remain the wali. Yes, a person entertains the thought, he starts running with it, he acts upon the thought, all this is very harmful, and all this can even lead to major destruction. But now at that time, a person turned his heart to Allah Ta'ala. And like a person who is drowning and he is desperately crying for help, hear from the depth of the heart, that silent cry, between him and Allah Ta'ala, nobody knows about it. That time, somebody might just think this person is sitting idly and he's doing nothing, but he's engaged in the deepest zikr at that time. He's probably more deeply engaged in zikr than somebody with a tasbih in his hand. Than somebody who is making tilawat at that time also. So, repeatedly, now this is a wave that's coming from shaitan, and then he'll keep calling to Allah Ta'ala in this way, that wave will pass, and he'll cross it. But these waves will come. These waves will come from time to time. Shaitan won't leave anybody. After a time when it comes to the point of repeated mujahada and repeated efforts, and this nafs has been now from nafse ammara bisu, which incites, incites towards evil all the time, it has now become nafse lawama, that nafs which rebukes, and then it has gone beyond that, and the time has come now, this nafs has become nafse mutma'inna. Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna Where the person's nafs now has become His very desires has become shariat In other words, whatever shariat demands That has become his first nature Then at that time, shaitan now It's very difficult for shaitan to try and Even waylay this person in some way But even that person also cannot be complacent So the lesson in all this was We started off on the note of what a person reads, the writings, the writings of the Ahlullah, it might be very simple writings. It might be something that is very straightforward, something that we have read many times. Something, like we take the Fazail Amal for that matter. Fazail Amal is being read in every masjid, and whichever homes Allah Ta'ala gives tawfiq, the Stalim should be part of our homes. And every time a person goes out in Jamaat, then every day, for one hour, two hours, the Talim is taking place. So sometimes if a person is regular in the talim of the masjid, so over time he's hearing the same thing sometimes many times. He's going in Jamaat, he's hearing it, in the home talim he's hearing it, and the thing is repeatedly being read. But this kitab has revolutionized not thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people's lives. And as much as many people have tried to bring about some kind of doubts in it, and try to, so to say, turn people away from it. But thus far, the, what has become clear is, that whoever tried to, so to say, drop this kitab down, all that happened was, in time they got dropped down. This is something as ibrat. It's not for us to fall into people's issues. But nevertheless, this is now... Many of these things 
are not easily linked. But in one town not far away from here, one person had made it his mission. He has made it his mission to denounce the Fazail Amal. That he was working in some company somewhere. So he had a good position, everything. Now sometimes that wealth and that position and other things all put together then take a person in a different direction. Without that class and sincerity, a person just runs in a different direction. Now here this person had made it his mission to just keep turning people away from the Fazala, finding some kind of stories in it and making some issues about things, whereas it's all in place. In any case, this had carried on for a while. And probably over a year and a half, two years this carried on. How many people due to his negative influence, attending the talim, etc. too, they stopped, whatever carried on. And after that one and a half, two years, one day, Allah Ta'ala made it such that what he was getting up to in his workplace, secretly, everything just became exposed in such a way that the whole public came to know about it. He had to run from the town. Now a similar kind of thing happened elsewhere as well. Maybe the circumstances are a little different. That person's mission also was similar. So whoever tried to bury the Fazal Amal away under the ground, all that happened is they got buried. Allah Ta'ala has given such maqbooliyat to this kitab throughout the world that now the same thing a person is reading repeatedly, the same com- hadith are hadith there, the commentary is this, the same thing, nothing has changed all these years. But there is a, such an effect in it that many a person says that his life changed when the first time he heard, he sat in a talim for the first time in his life and he, he was just, something happened in his heart and that became the turning point. Now why? Those ahadith are available, somebody can go and open Bukhari Sharif directly and all the other kitabs that are quoted there. He can open it and read it directly from there also. The commentary obviously is not there. But why this had such an effect? This is the effect of also, obviously the effect of the hadith itself. But together with that, the means by which it was conveyed, that nur of the writer, that barakat. I have heard from one senior alim of South Africa who was connected to the Sheikh Ramatul and it's quite elderly, he mentioned that when Hazrat Sheikh Rahmatullahi was busy preparing the Fazail Amal, sometimes for days on end, he would go without sleep and without food also. Barely eating just a little bit something maybe. He was so engrossed in it. Now with that mujahada, this kitab was written. So it has that nur in it. It has that barakat in it. A person is reading something which comes from the Ahlullah, it has its own benefit. That is why this should be part and parcel of our daily routine, in fact. Part of the daily mamul. Even if it is just five minutes, ten minutes. Some kitab of our akabir. It might be even sometimes the same thing we're reading. But some kitab of our kabir, together with the fazail amal, talim, something on our own. Wazatwala's, many of his mawais are translated into English. There are many other kitabs of our kabir, our senior ulama ikram. They are the transcriptions of the talks of Hazrat Ma'inus Padil Sahib Rahmatullah Ali, 
حضرت معبد الحمید صاحب رحمۃ دامت برکاتہم ادا مشائخ سو سم تھنگ آف دس دیز مور دین جسٹ دا نالج ان دے از مور دین جسٹ وٹ دا تھیوری دیٹ از یو می کال اٹ تھیوری وٹ ایور دا ایکسپلینیشن از دے از بیونڈ دا ایکسپلینیشن دیز سم تھنگ دیٹ کمز وچ ہیز ٹرانسفرڈ فرام دا ہارٹ ٹو دا رائٹنگ وچ کمز فرام دا رائٹنگ ٹو دا ہارٹ like in the case of the fazail amal so we had started off by this is the book of hazrat ali rahmatullahi this is something that though these these lessons in here something that we have heard before we have read before we are familiar with it but to revise it directly from here has its own barakat and noor so the second action to keep the ankles exposed that is not to cover the ankles with the trouser pants etc as we discussed yesterday that hazrat towards the latter part of his life he says this is the crux of my 80 years of experience that a person brings these things in order other things are then very easy so for a person who has not yet sorted these things out it's so easy it's a matter of just making that decision and it's done so this states here it is haram and a major sin for males to cover their ankles with their garments The narration of Bukhari Sharif states ma asfala min al-ka'bayni min al-izari fi an-nar the whatever portion of the ankles is covered by any garment such as the pants lungi kurta sheet etc will be in the fire it is clearly understood from this narration that to cover the ankles is a major sin since the warning of punishment of the fire of jahannam is not given with regard to minor sins this is a technical category major sins and minor sins there is this reality because some sins have a certain effect certain punishments are warned with regards to certain sins and certain sins are not of that category so in that sense they are major sins and minor sins so that is one angle to look at it which is a reality that some sins are major some sins are minor but from the other angle there is nothing that is minor the other angle is that even the minor sin is a disobedience of allah taala and allah taala our creator our sustainer our benefactor so his azmat and his greatness is unlimited so any disobedience of such a great being is major so in that sense everything is major so a person should avoid every sin So in any case this is not just minor in in the technical sense also this is a major sin that since the warning of punishment of the fire of jahannam is not given with regard to minor sins in bazrul majhud the commentary of sunan abu daud hazrat mawla khalil ahmad sarampuri rahmatullahi writes that izar in the above hadith refers to every such garment that covers the ankles from above such as such as the pants lungi kurta etc to cover the ankles with such garments is forbidden izar does not refer to anything that is worn from below such as socks hence there is no sin in covering the ankles with socks therefore if somebody really wishes to cover his ankles he should wear socks the prohibition of covering the ankles with garments worn from above is applicable while standing and while walking thus while sitting or reclining if the ankles are covered by one's izar sheet etc there is no harm Some people dwell under the serious misconception 
that it is only necessary to expose the ankles in salah. Therefore, upon entering the masjid, they fold up their pants and expose their ankles. And upon leaving, once more unfold the pants. It should be remembered well that the prohibition of covering the ankles is not restricted to salah. The ankles must remain uncovered by one's pants, kurta, etc. while standing or walking or else one would be committing a major sin. Allah Sahanapuri Rahmatullahi also states, وَهَذَا فِي حَقِّ الرِّجَالِ دُونَ nisa This command applies to males and not to females. Females have to necessarily cover their ankles. Once a Sahabi radiallahu said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that my shins have dried up. What this meant was that due to the narrow, due to my shins being very narrow, including my ankles, having dried up and having become thin and unsightly, I wish to cover also my ankles. So now because of it becoming unsightly, including the ankles, I wish to cover the ankles as well. However, Rasulullah did not permit him to do so. Instead, in reply, he said, Inna Allaha la yuhibbul musbila. Verily, Allah Ta'ala does not love the one who covers his ankles with his garments. So, we have come to acquire the love of Allah Ta'ala. This is our objective. And these are things that become barriers. So, this is something and it is such a simple thing. All it requires is to make sincere tawbah and rectify this. Sometimes some people ask, but what is they in keeping the pants below the ankles. So the same question can be turned on the other way. What is they if a person doesn't keep his pants below the ankles? What is so hard about keeping the pants above the ankles? Supposing if the western fashion throughout was to keep the pants below the ankle, above the ankles, then every person would have suddenly found it very easy. Let alone below the ankles, then the Bermuda will become very easy too. And they'll walk around in public with it and it'll be fine. Jammies, people walk around with and they're quite comfortable because, because it's the fashion. So, we get dictated to by the fashions of the West. So therefore now because of that, certain things become difficult because it's not complying with that fashion. Or it becomes easy because it's complying with that. So we have to now look at what is the way of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is giving us the direction that Inna Allah la yuhibbul musbil. Dear friends, ponder, is it wise that one should deprive himself of the love of Allah Ta'ala by means of covering his ankles? On another occasion, Rasulullah said to a sahabi whose sheet was dragging on the floor, Amalaka fiya uswatun? Is there not an example for you in my way of life? What actually was the case was that when Nabi Wasallam saw this person walking in this manner with his garment, with his sheet dragging, so he cautioned him, don't do this, raise your sheet above your ankle. So he thought that it's because probably it's dragging and now it's going to be soiled and dirtied or whatever it is. So that is the main reason. So in response he said, but this is a very ordinary garment, it's a sort of, so to say, you may say old. If it gets a little bit torn, gets dirty, it's not really a problem. So in other words, it doesn't really matter. So Rabbi Islam replied to him in these words, that amalaka fiya uswatun, that leave all the Logic, logic of your mind aside. That when there is a clear instruction from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then all the logic must be left aside. 
and all the personal ideas etc should be left aside so the one answer that is a universal answer that amalaka fiya uswatun that is there not an example for you in my way of life don't you love that example the question is actually an affectionate warning thus the mere claim of love is not sufficient love in reality forces one to follow his beloved the poet expresses this in the following couplet لو كان حبك صادقا لاطعته ان المحب لمن يحب مطيع that the translation of this is that had you been true in your love you would have obeyed him had you been true in your love for allah taala you would have obeyed allah taala true in your love for rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam you would have obeyed rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam verily the lover is obedient to the beloved and how often this again is something that is uh very evident this obedience to the beloved it becomes very very clear that how obedient the person becomes to the beloved more so allah forbid in a haram situation that the person now has just gone hook line and sinker and everything just because he is caught up in that haram love so now as that person demands he does even if that means that now he'll sacrifice his own parents he'll sacrifice sometimes allah forbid his deen but that love has now taken hold of his heart so now even silly things things that are totally almost insane but now he is being dictated to by that beloved so now he does whatever it is so often in a haram context this becomes so evident that how a person becomes obedient to the beloved so that is a wrong place for this the place is the real place is the love of allah taala and the love of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and if that love was genuine law kana hubbuka sadiqan la ata'tahu that had your love been true that you would have been obedient because innal muhibba liman yuhibbu muti'u that the lover is obedient to the beloved the dictates of the love of allah taala and his rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam demand that we do not disobey them if we obey every command of his then we are indeed true in our claim of love allah taala give us the tawfiq this was the second action inshallah we'll continue with this tomorrow these are very simple things but very deep sometimes the simplicity of something itself becomes a veil this is a very apparently straightforward thing minor thing so it can't be very deep it can't have such a deep effect but when nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself is emphasizing something so strongly that gives us the depth of these amal what is the depth in it why is it something so important we don't have to get into that that is not our job that is not our responsibility our responsibility is what we have been asked to do what has nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam instructed us a true mu'min all his concern is about what i have to do why he doesn't get into the why there are those who allah taala has blessed with the depth of knowledge they get to the why as well the very depth of the why that very few perhaps might get to somewhere close to it but to some extent those who allah taala has blessed with deep knowledge the shah wali allah sahab rahmatullah alayhi written a very major book hujjatul lahil baligha 
in which he has dealt with the four big volumes. He has dealt with the reasonings behind the various commands of Allah Ta'ala, the wisdoms. Now, this is part of the why, you can say. The wisdom, part of the why. But now, this is for people of that caliber. Others also have written some books of this nature. But for the rest of us, we all, all we need to know is what. We need to know what am I supposed to do, how am I supposed to do it, and carry on with the amal. And this is enough. A person goes to the doctor, and the doctor prescribes some medication in it to him. So now he wants to ask, but why three times a day? Why not five times a day? Or why five times a day, not three times a day? And why must I take these three tablets and not only one? So if he starts asking too many questions, the doctor will say, you go somewhere else. That your ilaj now is done. You have already been treated. Somebody else treated you. So you don't need any doctor. So obviously there a person quietly takes whatever it is. And sometimes if the doctor has made a mistake also, he still doesn't lose faith in the doctor. That here he can make a mistake. Here this is without mistake. What has come from Nabi Wasallam is without mistake. This is 100%. So all we need to do is submit to it. We need to know what we have to do, how we have to do it. And we take on with the amal. And Allah Ta'ala will then guide us and take us through. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Subhanallah bihamdihi. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu Allah ilaha illa.